Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene, welcoming you to today's episode of Reconciling Grace. Joining me today are Vicki Cundiff, who is one of the staff pastors at Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. Also with us is Mick Wells. Mick is the co-host of the Cross Connection radio program. He has been part of the Wells of Salvation Ministries since 1980. And also with us today is Steve Wilson. Steve is a graduate of United Theological Seminary. He has a master's degree, and he is also a author, an author, I should say, and a video game programmer. programmer. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> that's fine. And uh, that's why I said A instead of and before, because I was looking for the video game part first. And uh, it's good to have all of you with us today. And we're going to discuss a topic that I really couldn't come up with a great title for. So it's just going to be comparing and contrasting a couple of different passages of the Bible. And those Passages are 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 25, and Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And we're going to start today by having Vicki read that first passage. Again, it is 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 25. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So it's talking about the kingdom of God, talking about treating it as though you are running in a race, that you're competing for something, that you're trying to get the prize. And I know that in a previous edition of Reconciling Grace, we kind of talked about rewards and such, and... This is almost talking as though we have to strive and compete and do all kinds of physical work or, or, or emotional work or spiritual work or something in order to finally win that prize. But at the same time, let's now compare that with what Jesus said in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. And Mick, I believe you have those verses. Yes, in this passage, the Lord says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It really seems to be as though there are two different ideas there. On the one hand, Paul is talking about a race and competing and vying and striving. And on the other hand, Jesus seems to be talking about, come to me and I will give you rest and my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Does anybody have any ideas as we start off here as to how we might draw some balances or compare those two passages? I'd like to make a preliminary observation, though. Um, I've always been of the impression that the admonishment to run our race and with the leading of the Holy Spirit is something we're personally responsible for in our relationship with God, but I never viewed it as being in competition 
for salvation or competition for a reward. And it, it's a little confusing to me when it starts out. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? See, in, in my outlook on the Christian life, we're not competing with each other for rewards. Um, and I don't feel like I'm in competition in my race with somebody else where it says only one win the pro- wins the prize. I believe that if we're responsible to God and following the leading of the Holy Spirit, whatever rewards are for me that are accrued in this, this Christian life, it's not as the, re- as the result of competition. So I'm really, in my mind, and I don't know how it fits with the scripture here, I'm running the race, but I'm doing so in relation to a a God-led life and not in relation to competition with others. I don't know, just a thought. Well, I understand where you're coming from with that because it's kind of like saying just because you may win a race doesn't mean that everybody else loses. It's just that... um, I guess maybe what I'm looking at here is just the whole idea of the the striving, the working, all that kind of stuff, the effort that's got to go into this in order to win the prize. And maybe many people will win the prize. Maybe that's a good way of looking at it. So how does that maybe compare with what Jesus said about uh, his yoke being easy and his burden light? Again, anybody else have any thoughts on this? Thinking that the races are different. So Jesus was saying, take my yoke upon you uh, instead of the yoke of the Old Testament, the old law. Uh, His yoke is much easier. Being a Christian is easier uh, in some ways than trying to follow all of those laws and and be perfect in our own might. Uh, But we still do have to strive in a Christian life. We still do have that race to run. And um, I think as far as what the prizes we're talking about, I think it's comparing the earthly prize to to winning the Olympics versus the prize of um, eternal life and enjoying Christ. So you're saying that the the prize that is mentioned there in First Corinthians by Paul is more along the lines of an earthly prize. Am I hearing that correctly? In the first part, when he says all the runners run to get a prize, but you run to get a better prize. So the understanding then would be that the better prize is the salvation of our souls. Is that is that where you're coming from on that? Right. Okay. Um, any other thoughts, Vicky? Did you have anything you want to throw in on there? Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's trying to focus so much on the competition when he said that they compete because that's what they're doing. I think he's just trying to compare race. You know, if you think of a, a you know, if you're saying the Olympics or any kind of running a race, there is strict training that you're going to have to go through. You know, you're, you're going to have to restrict what you're eating. You're going to have to stay out of the cookies and the donuts <laughs> and those sort of things. And you're going to have to eat things that are going to build your muscle and protein and things like that. You're going to have to exercise not only running, but you're going to have to build strength and stamina and, and endurance, you know. And you're going to have to be committed. You know, you can't just, you know, and focusing on Jesus can't just, you know, up and quit or you're not going to make it to the Olympics. So you got to keep going if you want that prize. And then when you are running the race, you know, you, you don't look back. You know, mm. it's going to distract you. It's going to pull you away from, from the race. 
Uh, you need to stay with it and see it through and not let it slow you down. And if you take the concept of all that into the spiritual life of running that race and, like Steve said, trying to get to our heavenly home, you know, then it's going to take some, some discipline. Well, it's going, it's going to take not just some discipline. It's going to take discipline in our life of saying no to sin and no to temptation. And, and uh, I think it compares to what Jesus is saying in Matthew uh, in the part where he said, learn from me. Uh, I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest from your souls. You're still in that learning. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, come to me who you're weary, you're burdened from the trials of life and, and you know, only find salvation in him. Um, because like we said earlier, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but we still have a responsibility. And I think that's what Paul's trying to say here. We still have a responsibility to train ourselves. As he said in Timothy, as First Timothy 4.8, um, basically he was summing it up. He was saying, train yourself to be godly. And so there is an, an effort on our part. It doesn't save our souls, but we still have to put forth that effort to say no to sin and temptation and, and walk in the light of Christ in obedience. I like that. The um, thought I was thinking about as you were talking about that, Vicki, was uh, if we continue with the race analogy. It's something that I've heard many times. This part is I've heard many times, so it's not original with me is what I'm saying. But we have to remember that this race that we're in is more closely compared to a marathon rather than a sprint. And so it's a continual trying to grow, trying to um, be what God wants us to be, to continue to be in training, to have that discipline. Mm -hmm. Does that go along with what everybody here is thinking thus far? Yeah, I was thinking, Pete, that I don't think Scripture is inherently contradictory. I think that when he talks about rest, there's a time and a place the Holy Spirit may lead us to do this. Obviously, we're running our race our entire life, and arguably a third of our days we're asleep. You know, we're not running. We, we are resting, and we need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I'll go one step further, and that's to take care of the temple of God so that we don't let the striving aspect of this or the fervency of it destroy uh, the temple. I think the Lord does want a, a, a balance in our life. But you know, even in the race analogy to go along with that, I think that, not that I'm much into exercise, <laughs> I should be, <laughs> but, but you know, if you're eating right and you're exercising and you're committed to something, you're going to feel good in body and mind and spirit, you mm-hmm. know, and so, and you're focused on something and, and you're going to feel good about that. And I think that same goes along with what you're saying of how you're going to feel good in your soul. Sure. You know, and finding rest for your soul as well. It sounds like the key word that I'm hearing from you is balance. Because I agree with you, Mick. I don't think that the scripture is going to contradict itself, but it's more of an understanding of how do these two things fit together. If you don't read them um, in context or you don't understand them in the proper context, it could sound like it's contradicting each other. And I was not trying to uh, get the idea along there that there is contradiction. I, I was, again, trying to go with exactly what you said is, mm-hmm. where is the balance? How do those two things compare and how do they contrast? Um, as far as, Vicki, what you said about the um, about the discipline of the race, one of the scriptures that I had um been looking at, I'm not going to quote it verbatim here because I don't have it right in front of me, was talking about in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, it talks about throwing off sin and everything else that entangles us so that we can run the race set before us by fixing our eyes on Jesus 
And those passages say that he endured the cross for the joy set before him. So, you know, it wasn't all just peaches and cream for Jesus either. Even Jesus, as I believe we talked about in previous episodes when we talked about temptation, even Jesus was tempted. Why? Because he was fully human and he didn't always want to do in his humanity everything that God the Father wanted him to do. However, he did what his father wanted him to do. He did not fall into that temptation. So it was not just, uh, as I say, peaches and cream all the way along for Jesus. He overcame temptation. We have temptations. And this says that we should be throwing off all the sin and everything else that entangles us so that we can run the race before us. And we're coming up just about to the time where we're going to take a break for our sponsor. And I think that where I'd like to go with this as we return from the break is talking about what does it mean to rid ourselves of things that might entangle us. So let's take this break for our sponsor and we'll return in just a minute. And we're back with Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, and I'm joined today by Steve Wilson, Mick Wells, and Vicki Cundiff as we're talking about the comparing and contrasting of 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25, and Matthew 11, 28 to 30. We've been talking about one scripture that says we're running a race, and the other one that says you'll find rest in me, that, of course, in me being in Jesus. I just talked about before the break about how Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 talks about ridding ourselves of things that entangles us. It talks specifically about sin, but it dawned on me as I was reading this that maybe there are things that aren't necessarily specifically thought of as sinful that will entangle us, that will take our focus away from Jesus. It talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus. How does that um, look in in real life? Are there things that we can get so focused on? I mean, I know there are things that we can get focused on that keep our eyes off of the call, off of the ministry. Does this mean that we should never do anything that is not specifically um, looking at ministry? Like, should we not have any hobbies? Should we not have any things that we enjoy that aren't church-related? What kind of thoughts do we have on that? I think that verse also says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This is one thing that I've gone back and forth over the years. Uh, Currently, I'm looking at my hobbies and and my entertainment choices. Um, I'm thinking, you know, how, how do these help me? How do these bring me closer to Christ? How do they uh, mature me in my faith? You know, if I'm uh, all excited about a new Star Wars movie coming out or or a new uh, superhero movie coming out, does that really do me any good? Or should I be looking at uh, Christian entertainment choices? Uh, Should I be really excited to play the new video game from, you know, whatever company? Or should I say, hmm, I wonder if there are Christian video games that I could play that, you know, could maybe um, give me some insight into a Bible story or uh, something like that. 
And full disclosure here, as we said beforehand, you're actually designing video games yourself. Is that kind of what made you think about uh, Christian games? Yeah, and that's part of the problem is there's there's a void when it comes to Christian entertainment. Um, you know, there's not as much movies, TV shows, video games. Uh, so kind of to make this work, you know, we've got all kinds of music, but to make it work, we need people to step up and say, here, Christians, this is for you. And I wasn't going to use this as a promotion for your video game, although I have absolutely yeah. no problem if people <laughs> if people want to get your video game. In fact, I would encourage them to do so. But at the same time, there are things out there that aren't necessarily um, exactly about the Bible, exactly about Christ. I'll, I'll give an example in my own life. I have always enjoyed the game of baseball. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with the game of baseball. I know of many, for instance, Major League Baseball players who believe that they have been given their abilities by God and who use that platform to glorify God. They will give glory to God in the things that they do, and they will praise Him. It's not just about baseball. I'm just using baseball because I think that that's probably one of my two favorite sports. The other one is golf, and there are a lot of golfers, for instance, on the PGA Tour, who profess Christianity and who have very strong witnesses for Christ. And again, they will say that they have been given these gifts by God, and they're using them to glorify Him. So they would not be able to do these things if there were no fans to watch them. They would not be able to glorify God in such a way if there wasn't even the financial outlay of fans who would be out there to pay to watch what they do. So are things like those, whether it be sports, whether it be video games, I don't know that we can really say that they are always wrong. Do uh, Mick or Vicky, do you have any other insights on that? I was thinking that, and it occurred to me when I was reading your your notes, Pete, that um, secular doesn't necessarily equal sinful. In other words, there are a lot of things that have nothing to do with the scriptural or preaching or admonishment or teaching that I enjoy. I enjoy good music. I enjoy... um, playing music. It, it also occurred to me the very basis for the Cross Connection program is to take lyrics from secular songs and show how they demonstrate a need that the Bible speaks to in terms of Jesus as the answer. And we, we use the secular music that people remember from, from growing up and listening to the oldie stations and things like that. And that's, that's the hook. They say, oh, I remember that song. Well, let's take a look at the lyrics. A lot of them are crying out for an answer. And that's the very basis for the program. So we're able to use the secular and tie it in uh, to the spiritual. So I don't see anything inherently wrong with a lot of things. Some of them, yes, absolutely. Some of the music out there I wouldn't expose my family to or my, myself. I, th- I think the key to this whole idea is that you th- anything that's a distraction to our running the race, whether it's secular or even, I'll give you a wild example. If I stay up half the night, which I often do, listening to uh, YouTube videos 
that teach about the Bible, and I cost myself a good night's sleep over it, that's a hindrance in itself that I need to push aside so that I'm uh, living in, in the light of what the Lord wants for me. I, th I think this is referring not to secular versus uh, spiritual uh, so much as throwing away anything that distracts us. So from what you're saying, even the spiritual has the potential to distract us. And I think that one of the things that I'm thinking about, and I think it's really important we say this, is how many people get so involved, for instance, in their churches? You know, I've talked about um, Sabbath days. You know, we talk about Sunday or the Lord's Day or whatever. And the Lord gave us a Sabbath for rest. And there are some people who are so involved in so many ministries in their churches, the last thing they get on the Sabbath or the Lord's Day is a rest because, you know, they're involved in Sunday school and in worship services and in choir and in this ministry and board meetings and everything else. Where's their day of rest when it comes down to it? So, well, Vicki, I don't want to put you on the spot. I've talked about my liking golf and baseball. Steve talked about video games. Mick talked about music. Do you have any hobbies that uh, that you find that are not things that entangle you? I don't know in particular. I love music. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I was thinking of uh, along these lines, you know, if we, and I was thinking along the same way that you, that you were, Mick, um, but you had mentioned earlier, uh, Pete, about balance. Mm -hmm. And I think that finding balance in anything, uh, the secular activities that we're doing is important. You know, if we took the internet, for instance, you know, we're internet radio. <laughs> if we, as Christians, would say, I think we should stay completely off the internet because look at all that sinful stuff that is there, then there wouldn't be people listening to this program or all the other good stuff that comes on uh, the radio station. Um, so it's about balance. It's about uh being careful about what you're listening to and about what you're watching and looking at and what you're doing, what you're involved in, um, and knowing that, you know, what you're doing is glorifying God. I think that's so important. And, and just to show you how important I think this is, this is a verse that I'm going to try to say this verse from the New International Version off the top of my head. I'm not looking it up. I didn't have it in my notes, but it's from 1 Timothy 4, verse 4, which says, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. So I don't see a whole lot of room for secular versus sacred there or secular versus spiritual there. Everything it says that God created is good and talks about being um, acceptable if it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. So you can get on the internet, Vicki, and I get on the internet a lot myself. You know, as you said, we're internet radio. You can listen to uh, YouTube, uh, Mick. You can get uh, on your video games there, Steve. And as long as they are consecrated by the word of God in prayer, we can, um, we can be glorifying God. You know, sometimes that's the way of rest. My mind is almost always going. I'm one of these people who... I can't focus on an issue for more than about 15 seconds without my mind going down. Mick, I think you've used the term rabbit trails. You know, um, it's Thursday. I think I'm going to have pizza. Hey, I had pizza last week. Boy, that was a nice restaurant over there. Look at that car go by. It's yellow. I used to have a yellow car. That's how my mind works. <laughs> And, um, you know, and all of a sudden I was thinking uh, it's Wednesday or whatever day I said it was. I can't even remember what I just said. You know, that's how my mind sometimes works. And um, 
that gets me to think about the fact that I think, Vicki, you brought up a little bit earlier um, in the first half of the program today about the disciplines that we need to have. And one of the things that I have tried to emphasize in my ministry at times is, for instance, I grew up in the church. Once I was a Christian, I didn't grow up as a child, but once I became a Christian and started going to church, my spiritual growing up, I heard all kinds of things that Christians are supposed to do. You're supposed to have your daily devotions. You're supposed to pray. You're supposed to read your Bible. And I bought into every single one of those, and there's nothing wrong with doing those things. However, when I got to be a pastor, I started noticing something. There were people who were getting discouraged about reading their Bible. And I realized that I was sometimes pastoring people who were illiterate. They could not read, period. And, you know, we talk about you have to read your Bible. We were realizing, or I was realizing that, you know, maybe I'm discouraging these people in the faith, not meaning to. And it got me to think about this cartoon that I had seen before. I've seen it on the Internet, and I don't know if I have all the animals exactly right, but it's a picture of about five animals, and I think I wrote them down as a dog, an elephant, a monkey, a goldfish, and a rabbit. And there's a guy sitting behind a desk and saying, the one of you that's able to climb that tree is going to be the one who passes the test. (laughs) And of course, only one of those animals climbs trees. So, you know, sometimes I think that we can get so set in our ways, even as Christians, to say that the way to do Christianity is X, Y, Z. And we have to be careful that we let the Holy Spirit have control in each person's life. Now, I tell you, if a person can't read, I hope they learn how to read. That's important. But there are other things, you know, as I say, we talked about running a race. What if you are literally crippled or handicapped? And you, you know, there are people out there who have lost limbs or they were born without limbs. How can they run a race? Now, we thank the Lord for things like prosthetics and things now, but not everybody is able to do all things. And I just want us to be careful that when we talk about things that we, quote, should do as Christians, that we realize that there are people out there who might truly be unable to do those things. Now, that was a rabbit trail, Mick, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody else have anything to say? I think we have a couple of minutes left before we have to start signing off. Yeah, I think that, you know, we were talking about the internet earlier and how there's, there's good and bad things on it. Um, I think in our society today that sometimes we are on our social media, on internet, phones, however we want to go about it, and that we have to be careful of that. We're, we're so engrossed in that, and it's, it could be all good things, but we're so engrossed in that, maybe we're hindering our family time or hindering ourselves in some way or hindering other people. And I think that's something that people need to be careful of as well. One of the things that I also think about that goes right along with that is, you know, doesn't the Holy Spirit live within us who are Christians? Maybe the answer isn't going to be the same for every one of us. Maybe, Vicki, if you talk about the internet, you say, hey, this is a good thing and I'm carrying out ministry here, but at some point the Lord may say to you, hey, you need to take a little bit of time off of this to do that. Or for me, maybe I need to not watch so much of my beloved cubs on TV and have a little bit more family time or whatever it might be. That doesn't mean that any of these things that we're doing is wrong, but let the Lord guide as to how much and when and things such as that. Steve, do you have anything else you want to add on this? 
thinking about a race and how when you're training for a race, you're clocking your time. You keep trying to get better and better, faster and faster. And I'm wondering if there's ways we can do that as a Christian. We can track our spiritual growth uh, so that we can tell, yes, we are getting better. We are getting more mature in our faith. Uh, if there's a way to, to keep a journal. So, okay, today I did this and I shouldn't have. But today, you know, I did really well uh, practicing the spiritual gift or uh, fruit of the Spirit. So I'd say track it. See how you're doing. Well, that's great. And I hear the music going off behind us. I think it's time for us to be signing off for today's episode of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.